0: Welcome to the King's Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, and we have an emergency podcast. <laughs> this is not a drill. Danger, Will Robinson, danger. Um, Sean Cunningham has joined me. We're actually, um, we didn't do Yardhouse this time. There, the line was too long, and there are too many people. So we uh, were sitting at Vine uh, Vine and Grain, which is this swanky little wine bar. Yeah. That is uh, right outside the arena. Of course, we've got Sean Cunningham from ABC10. Uh, I'll try to remember <laughs> ABC10. Uh, and myself. Well, I'm sipping on a Pinot. And uh, <laughs> and I cannot. And Sean
1: can't drink.
0: Um, but we got to...
1: Oh, no. I can drink. Shark. I just can't right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sean's got a... Well, we have a charcuterie board coming. Um, and we figure we, we might as well podcast.
1: Yeah. Um, Sean, how are you? I'm great. This place is so awesome. Like, I, I honestly feel like walking in, I was going to get kicked out. Like, sir, you don't have the proper attire on. You, yeah. you have a hat and sneakers, and um, <laughs> we don't welcome your kind. But this place is awesome. we yeah. got a yule log above you that's like 72 inches, and yeah. we're like a stone's throw from the arena, which is great.
0: Yeah, this is cool. It's uh, it's a couple of steps down. Uh, this is. I'll go kind of old school. I think if I remember correctly, this is right across from where the old Carl's Jr. used to be in the mall. <laughs> Like, the Carl's Jr. was here. Wasn't your Copelands, like, right no, over here? No, my Copelands that I worked at was above – it's 24-hour. Oh, 24-hour. Right. I okay. mean, that was, that was a huge Copelands. It was, like, a 40,000-square-foot building. Gotcha. Like, yeah, that was a big sporting goods store. Um, okay, so – We're just putting off the inevitable. We that's are, all. We're just – we're putting off all the inevitable. Again, uh, it's wine and grain, right? Vining grain. Vining and, vine. Vine and grain. Vine and grain. That's what – I yeah, so or this Or you can is, get some great wine. Yeah, great wine. I, I'm drinking a nice little Pinot. Um so let's get into this Sean. Yeah Um the Sacramento Kings of course fired Luke Walton on Sunday morning. It was kind of the inevitable. Yeah. Um but it kind of felt like maybe the guy barfing all of the arena floor <laughs> may have put it off
1: for just a little bit. Did, did you get that sense? You're like I really wanted to go down this road because it was my favorite part of yesterday. As gross as it was, it was amazing. It was it, it so was amazing. it was so poetic. I mean, the guy, this is what's crazy. Like if you weren't in the arena and you haven't seen this. Imagine where the sun where, where Vivek Ranadive sits at midcourt on the other end of the of the court. Yep. And if he's looking right at this dude, Who's directly across, across, directly from across, him. Like maybe, maybe a seat or two,
0: maybe ten feet away from where Scott Moke is. Yeah, yeah,
1: and he's tied one on. I can tell you, he didn't come here. Oh, that <laughs> that, that, that guy thing was in no. a tequila fog. Yeah, that was. I've seen that.
0: It was unpleasant. Like what happened? Okay, and, so go ahead. And just absolutely
1: hurls. Hurls. I mean, that's
0: the only. It's projectile vomiting. Well,
1: yeah. and 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 it was like right down at his feet. And he just marinated in it. Like, he's like, I'm not leaving. I can't move around. Uh, th- this, is, like, and, and I don't even know what he's thinking because he eventually stumbled off and just dripped all over the, the court by yeah. where the jazz bench is. <laughs> yeah. I, and I mean, it was, it was worse than that, Sean, because
0: he threw up once and it was everywhere. And he just kind of sat there like, oh, I threw up. I mean, there's so many jokes <laughs> to be made. But honestly,
1: if you didn't see him stumble in his, like like, drunken stupor, yeah, uh, you would have thought he was just tired of seeing bad basketball, and that really caused him to be sick to his stomach.
0: Exactly. And what happened is he threw up once, and then guys came over with <laughs> no towels. No one throws up once. And they were cleaning it up, and then he, <laughs> they actually had him on the Jumbotron, and then he <laughs> leans over and just... <laughs> it was bad. Uh, it was bad, and then so again, bad. his buddy came over to try to help him get. I don't up. think
1: his buddy realized because I think he went to go get water or go get. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's he going to get help. I don't know. It was He bad. came back and looked like, "What? What did you do?" <laughs> and the, the <laughs> people sitting next to him, they came over and then they're like, "Oh no!" They panicked. They started to like run they don't get away. They paid enough. They all deserve bonuses. All uh, the people all that came cleaning up, give them a, like yeah. a whole week long vacation. That was traumatizing. I would need therapy after that. Yeah. And I'm just. There's no way I could have done what they did. They're heroes. Not all heroes wear capes, dude. That's right. That's right. So he stands up, and
0: when he stood up, it was like, oh no. That's when we fully realized because our his back was to us. But yeah. that's when we fully realized that he was covered in vomit from like his pants. Dude. His pants Sir. were soaked with vomit, and Sir. it was like.
1: <laughs> I can't believe this is happening. Oh. Uh, yeah, and then... Nice, what, how? 15-minute delay? 20, 20. It was 20, oh, and
0: he was trying to stumble off the court. His buddy was walking in front of him. The security guard wanted no part of any of this, wouldn't even touch him, which I don't blame. Uh, I don't blame the security guard. We, we are in COVID times. There is mm-hmm. some weirdness here. So they finally get the guy walking past the jazz bench. He's stumbling. He's He's walking like knees
1: are locked. I mean, he was, he was effed up. It's like like the Eminem song. Knees weak, arms red spaghetti, mom's spaghetti. That's, that's, that's awful.
0: It was bad. It was bad. So then he went to step off the court. I thought he was going to fall and bail. Like my dude Larry's right there on the corner. I thought he was going to fall and bail into like fans and stuff. Finally, we got him off the court, but then it took, Shauna took forever. It was the Kings had just given up a 12-2 run. They they were down by four going into the fourth. They gave up a 12-2 run, so now they're down 14. And it's 932 left in the fourth, and the game's already over. Right. I mean, this is Utah Jazz. You let them get a 14-point
1: lead, you're done, especially in the fourth. Yeah, and they're, they are an elite team in this league. They're and, really good. And it's just hilarious because I, I caught something that our pal Jason Anderson wrote about in the B today, which was the fact that you know, we've, we've got a, I've got, you know, our, as we've learned over the past couple weeks, like, cameras everywhere. And I kept seeing Vivek looking in the direction of the King's bench, even when his action was on the other opposite end yeah. of the floor. And it was, it was pretty clear. Like, like, I didn't, in hindsight, it was pretty clear. I don't know, you know, I didn't really recognize it. There. We've all been on, we've been on Luke Watch for the better part of two weeks now. Yeah,
0: we have been. Well, and, it's, it was started on Monday. It started yeah. last Monday. I guess it's only been like, it hasn't been a week. Right. That's how crazy That's it is. Cra- it just because we like had it. a podcast with Sam Amick right. uh, that was released a week ago Thursday. And on that, we talked about it, how everything all of us were hearing was that he's safe. And so things spun out so quickly. And I, I think the reason why we talk about the guy throwing up, because it is a tremendous metaphor for what we're seeing here. Right. It's just the franchise is going through another phase of where it's dying like you're watching it die in front of you because they can't get out of their own way and we just had a press conference with monty mcnair on sunday that's why we're doing an emergency pod and I, he took a step backwards he took five step backwards in his press conference i thought that that was one of the worst press conferences i've ever seen why we asked very direct questions he gave us no answers at yeah. all you want to blame Luke Walton, and that's fine. And I, I'm fine with Luke being fired. You're you're spinning right. out. You're six and eleven. That the thing is spinning out. But the players have quit. They didn't quit on Luke Walton. They quit on themselves. They quit on their fan base. They quit on each other. That's that's where we're at. You can say, oh, it's it's Luke. It's Luke. All you want. Luke doesn't get paid to go suit up and play the game of basketball like these guys do, and they've embarrassed themselves. I mean, really. I don't know any – it's three games in a row losing by 20. or right. right around 20, right?
1: There's a, there's a definite give up. And it's like why we were asking the questions the other, last night uh, in the loss to Utah, which was, you know, at what point does, are things just overly magnified? Like you almost have to just – when you're in a stretch like this, sometimes you just have to go and simplify everything, right? Well, what we were talking about over this past week was Luke's grasping at straws. He's trying anything. We've got a Chemezi-Metu experiment. We've got Mo Harkless out of the lineup. All of a sudden, he's back in. Here's Alex Lin again. Marvin Bagley's Bagley coming. Marvin over on a, on, a bicycle, on a bicycle sitting in the corner. Not and, even
0: pedaling. And then he didn't <laughs> even sit with his teammates the entire game. We I saw mean, that last year during COVID. There was actually two seats set up in the hallway um, in, in the opening where Marvin would sit uh, quite a bit. Like I, I don't know if there, there wasn't quite enough seats in the regular area, and I think Marvin was like, "I'm fine, stretch my legs over here." But watching him last night was like, "Oh, he's done." He and looked like Jeff
1: Petrie sitting in the tunnel on a chair, like Vlade would do in the old Arco, you know. Um, but to that point, like, look, you you asked the first press question at the press conference, and I my eyes got really wide because you came out with statements. Boom. But three statements, they quit on themselves, they quit on Luke, they did this. And like I, we might have a little bit of a, a disagreement there because I just feel like you know it's almost like that wreck team and I hate to ever compare an amateur athletics to what goes on in a professional level. But it really felt like I mean this team battled back from three deficits of double digits in this in last night's game, right. And then once it happened in the fourth and Utah just turned it on, they just went it was like the, def, they were just deflated. It, they just knew it at that point they were done. And you're right, you could call that a quit. Because level of compete just just all of a sudden it was like they let the air out of the balloon, so
0: I and, thought just like I thought that they were really they fought really hard and Utah's a dominant team right they fought really hard for three quarters and then they had some bad luck it was like a missed shot boom three pointer a missed shot boom three pointer and then two free throws it's an eight zero run and right. you're done and so I, I get what you're saying I don't think that in that particular game I would have said. Oh, they're just quitters. It's an accumulation Accumulation, of what I saw over the week. Where they're getting their teeth kicked in. they lost seven out of eight. Absolutely.
1: And and these are large deficits. It's not like you lost by one point. I mean, these are like, not only are they large deficits, you piss away an 18-point lead in Oklahoma City. Yep. Like, that that road trip against lower lower echelon opposition definitely bothered them. You know, and that's why I wanted – I agree with you to a point. Like, look, Monty's going to be Mr. Kojak and – Trying to say the right things, but I kind of wanted—I was with you. I kind of wanted more. I kind of wanted to be like, "Hey, man, you're the one that went on the radio at five and four, the day you lost your five, went five and five in your first ten. Yep. But you did the interview while you're five five and four. You you were singing the praises. You want a continuity. You like some of these things that were going on. The arranged marriage or all these things. Yeah. And look, that's why I'm saying I know it is a results-oriented business, but you're 17 games in. And yeah, we know this does not look good. So I'm not, I'm, look, I said it last year. Should have fired him probably last year. I'm just, my question is, how was the rope so that, how was the leash that short to where, and and again, and I, what did I, what did we say, James, even a week ago? We're like, these guys are telling on themselves any long sustained losing streak, they're not going to put up with it, which means, hey, we'll fire him if that happens. You practically have that short of a, of a Detroit win. I'm thinking to myself last night, like, if they had beat Utah, does Luke still have his job? I say no. I think he does. I, but he, he shouldn't. Like, if, but the, I think if he it's does. truly, if it's truly that uh, fickle, then why? Do, you know why? You know, it, it's funny when you
0: let it get out there that you're gonna do this. That that he's on yeah, the ropes. Yeah, brace yourself. Brace yourself. Right. That's when your that Luke Walton's job is in peril.
1: That's when you know it's over. That's when. That's why. This this is what's crazy. Okay. And a lot of this can be self-inflicted. But think about just the... <laughs> Sorry, we got a great charcuterie board in front of us Sean right Sean is, <laughs> is laughing. James isn't going to wait. No, no James is going to dive in. We're going to take okay. turns here. I don't even
0: know what this is. It looks like a Adil
1: Havarti. I think yeah, it looks is. pretty awesome. Think about this, though. A lot of this can be self-inflicted. When you think of reports that are uh, big-level moves that are happening within the King's organization, oftentimes you kind of get an inkling about it through a national report or even a local report. Yep. Or some of us have a... like. It's almost like a crowdsourcing in a way. Like I, I fully feel like it was
0: crowdsourced. Yeah,
1: so you have this crowdsource. How's this going to go? You kind of put it out there. Hey, if this road trip... You know, if things go south... Which, again, they said in training camp, so it's not like it's news to anybody. Yeah, But yeah. given the 5 and 5 start, some might bristle at it. Okay, that's fine. There's that. Then you've got... This whole look, and I think it was Alvin all the way. But I do believe that Doug was considered. I think there is a strong. Oh no, Doug was there, fully considered. There's a strong voice within the organization that wanted to see Doug Christie as the interim head coach. Okay,
0: let's go there. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna let Sean eat some of the char, <laughs> char- <laughs> charcuterie board. Appreciate report. it. Because, look, I think all of us know. If you followed James long enough, you know that my podcast partner for like three years was Doug Christie. Like Doug and I are good friends. We traveled to and from San Francisco to go into studio uh, with NBC Sports for years. We are we're close. We're uh, like I spoke to Doug this morning. I'm not going to tell you what that conversation was about. I'm just going to tell you I spoke to him this morning. We spoke as friends. We did not speak as a media member and uh, a, a potential head coach for the Sacramento Kings. I will tell you that. Not from him. I know that there were people that were pushing for him to be the head coach. Sean, that's a disaster. I And I'm a Doug guy.
1: It, it doesn't do him any favors.
0: Doug would have been the same exact thing would happen to Doug that happened to Vlade and happened to Peja, where they're almost pariahs in Sacramento after being heroes for decades. So why would you possibly – like, this is – I don't even know how to describe this when Steve Nash took the Nets job Steve Nash had bounced around the league after he retired like working for franchises doing other things he understood what the grind was of each and every day of practice and all that stuff because he was with the Warriors I think he did some work with the Suns he he basically went on like this tour Chauncey Billups last year was with the the Los Angeles Clippers before he took the job in in Portland so there are every once in a while a situation where a guy comes from being a player directly into being a coach but it's usually (laughs) or or a GM yeah sorry or a GM yes (laughs) yeah we should qualify yes but with Doug Doug had spent like 15 years almost away from the game right. not not fully but the last five years he's been working media but in and, a different and working
1: way. individuals and and, and, and working yeah, yeah he
0: does so people should know that doug does work with individuals like on training specific and, training and yeah. all that stuff so so it's not like doug doesn't know how to, but that's more player development doug worked like outside doing some player development and that's, that's amazing and, and Doug has a unique vision for the game which I enjoy I love, we've had plenty of long conversations about what the game you know, where he thinks it should head and, and why you do certain things and he's very I don't know, he, he thinks about the game in a very different way than most people like because we've had conversations with so many basketball people Doug thinks about it differently and that's fine but Doug doesn't know how to build a practice schedule Doug doesn't know how to figure out like when the practice is gonna be where it's gonna be like like the just the nuts and bolts of being a head coach it's almost like just taking somebody off the street and saying okay look we want you to run like a 150 person grocery store you got 17 different departments and I need you to go in there and run it and they're like wait what that's what you're asking Doug. And and it's almost like in this situation, hey, we're going to let you, like, you're
1: going to shadow somebody for, like, a month and a half. Now go. So. Well, and in fairness, had they gone to Doug, Alvin Gentry would be that guy. You know, he would be yes, the associate yeah, head coach yeah, yeah. still and be able to have a lot of that structure. But to your point, James, it still doesn't do him any favors. I, even if I'm just, dis- like, throw the fact out, like the whole hero becomes a pariah in Sacramento, right? Because, like, I feel like even if you're in an interim role, Doug will be fine. Like, I don't think they'll ever look at him ill. He's not making decisions in terms of, like, what Vladdy did, right? He'd be a head coach at this point. But, again, whatever, like, I think there was this whole thing where no matter, like, what it could look like, if you give Doug a chance, like, he's got no pressure, right? And I think that voice was very much heard loudly. But when you really think about it, like, how do you all of a sudden pivot on that? When you go from having expectations of playoffs... Yep. And you've got a guy with ample... Uh, really, I think there's three roles that he... Alvin Gentry, at three different times, has taken over as an interim head coach, I believe. I know two Already for sure. Already, three times. Three this times. This is his fourth. This will be his fourth. Uh, the most famous one was in Phoenix in 08 and 09. And then the next year, he takes him to the Western Conference Finals. Now, granted, that team was unbelievable. Like, he had way more talent than this Kings team will probably ever have. Nash, Dottemauer. <laughs> yeah, 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 I mean, it was crazy. So... Uh, thinking about that it's like okay if you go with Doug and look I'm no slight on him but it would have the opportunity in my opinion to go further south than it would under Alvin who is a guy who can come in have the continuity because he's been here the entire time it's his freaking offense for crying out loud so, you know yes. what I mean Like so, yeah. so like if you're expecting a lot of changes it, it, the only thing I can see is maybe rotationally for certain players I don't know what that looks like yet but Alvin is a vet. How do you, how do you sit there and, and – and like, I think finally expertise was heard in this, in this situation. With all the voices out there, I don't think you could possibly make an argument for Doug over Alvin given the experience. And that was the one thing I think Monty was extremely honest about when I asked him about it.
0: Yeah, my point is not to dig on Doug at all. I think Doug oh, can sure. be right. a head coach in a year or two. I think that that's fine. He wasn't ready today. And I don't want to see Doug get, like, drawn and quartered by Kings fans like Vlade and Peja have, because you put him in a situation where you're going to fail. Anyone who takes his job is likely going to fail. This team just quit. They didn't quit. on. They'll t- all tell you, oh, no, it's not Luke. It's not Luke. Well, then who is it? Like, what is it? You quit. That's yeah. not
1: okay. And I think when people hear that, there's a difference. like... Did they, did they quit on the coach in terms of the buy-in? Like, to where they weren't, again, c- competitively quitting and we're not buying into this coach anymore are completely different things. Like, I, like, that's the one thing. I don't think Luke ever lost the locker room. Nope. So, I want to make that distinction. Because if Luke Walton goes on to be elsewhere, like, he can't point to Sacramento and say, I lost this locker room. These guys played for him. No, to they a degree, didn't. yeah. But again, when the wind gets out of your sails, like this is a team that's very fragile. The margin of yeah. error is so slim. Fragile. Fragile. <laughs> and there, what do we keep saying? What's the even with these? Even with the attempt at adding physicality and toughness, you're still a very soft team. And it's at the core. It's a very soft team at the core. Speaking of soft.
0: I fully agree with you. It's a completely soft team at the core. That's that's where we have this problem. It's that they have got to a point where they're only going to take steps backwards. I don't know that they can take steps forward. I don't. I don't know that they can te- take steps forward
1: during this season. I don't I, see where the magic's going to come from.
0: If I'm Monty McNair, I'm breaking this thing up now. Because, I I mean, I'm not giving away Or after away December pieces. 15th. Yeah, I'm not giving away pieces, and I'm not giving away everybody. But... I'm done. I'm done with with this label that this team is soft. I need to go find players that are like hardcore and want to be want to be good. Like I I we get to this point where guys, I mean some guys on this team are trying too hard. Some guys aren't trying enough. Some guys are frustrated with their lot in life. You know, I we we asked for Sean Holmes about some of this after the after the game on Saturday. And he said Yeah, we keep talking about this, but you know, words are words. Like, actions mean so much more. Like, go out and play. Sean, I think may have got some papaya or something. I Don't know what that was. Whatever it was, was it (laughs) It didn't sit well with Sean.
1: No, it was good. It just didn't. You know when you buy into a a a pepperoni pizza and you get a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I I was in. Let's see. I was in Baccarat, which is a small town on the Rhine River in Germany with uh, the first time I went to Europe.
1: That's a hell of a flex. And we
0: were with another couple and we ordered our dinner. And of course, we had no idea what we were ordering because it's all in German. And my friend's wife thought there was cheese on the plate (laughs) and threw it in her mouth. And it was a giant pat of butter. And, Like, she's sitting there, like, and trying not to be rude at the same time, but with a giant pat of butter in her mouth, just like, oh my god, I can't believe this is happening. Um, so Sean just had a moment with our board. Uh, Sean, I recommend these small pickles. The small pickles oh, are the small pickles. they are spectacular. Yeah. This place is really really cool. So again, we're at Vine and Grain, and it's this like the, it's swanky. This it's is swanky. like a it is a it's swanky. Got some good scenery too. Yeah, it's a, it's a good spot. The wine is really good. We're having a good time. And some here. talent. Sean is Sean is Prospects talking in high code. <laughs> Sean is talking in code. <laughs> James doesn't play in the same code that Sean talks no. in. Um, okay, so so Sean, what's next? You um, know Alvin Gentry really well. I do. And uh, I just He's I been don't in this league a
1: long time. But man. can
0: he help them? Because that's the question. Can he be? And Sean, this is the thing. If he is the voice that can change everything, then why didn't he step up last week and say something? <laughs> I mean... Like, if you can be that guy, if you can be the guy that says, hey, ah, enough is enough. I mean, we hey, don't know that
1: he didn't. you know. And again, you kind of have to respect but it, the head coach. He,
0: but if he did, he should have had the conversation with Luke and said, hey, right. I'm going to have a moment with these dudes. I'm the, going to set them straight.
1: I can say this. I mean, Alvin is constantly in the ears of players, but he definitely respects and... Goes with the vibe of the head coach. Like this is clearly his. This is clearly his, his offense, right? I think there can be, I think there can be added wrinkles to it. Certainly, it can look a lot better. Alvin's offense usually shoots a lot of threes, you know, and they've yep. been doing that poorly, very poorly. Uh, I also think he matches what Luke's intensity was. Like Luke isn't this in-your-face guy, right? He'll ch- He and when he does it, it's more meaningful when he when he does pop off or show that emotion oftentimes you're gonna see you saw I got video of it actually just last night where and if you see it on Twitter I I, I put it on the uh, on the Monty McNair uh, press conference where he's talking about Alvin and you literally see Alvin pulling Luke away from an official you know these are the types of actions that you would see now him as a head coach these will be different. Like, th- I, You will see possibly a different intensity level. You will possibly see some of these things. But the thing I need to go back, James, and I haven't had the opportunity to do it yet, but I want to look at the teams he's taken over. The o- 8 809 Suns team is not fair to, to talk. They were such a veteran-laden team. Shaq was on that team. Steve Nash, Mari Stoudemire. I mean, just not fair, right? And, and think of it this way. That team won 40-something games and didn't make the playoffs.
0: He's only taken three teams to the playoffs.
1: Right, but he has been to the Western Conference Finals.
0: Okay, but three teams to the playoffs and he's been coaching as an assistant. I mean, he's he's made it as a as a regular as an assistant. But I mean, he's been coaching for 35 years. And of that, I think he was a coach. He was a head coach for Philadelphia in the mid 90s. I think that was his first interim job. He was an interim um, for the the Suns. And then there was one other Clippers team. Clippers
1: and Pelicans, or well, Hornets at the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think he took over the the Hornets, the Pelicans, um, yeah. and he was an intern from there.
1: And here's the thing: like, you can say what you will, but like, if anyone's going to be able to still get what they want from this team that they showed early on, and change a voice in the locker room, and change anything, like, I understand the thought process. Like, it's it's things we were thinking, we're talking about all along. And they put in some, from what we understand, some incentives in the event that, I mean, there's a possibility he could be here beyond, you know? Yeah, I mean, he
0: has the option to be, I mean, if, if things go well, he can be the head coach next when season. When
1: he came in here, they made sure that they tied his contract to Luke. And that's why, much like <laughs> much like Paul Westfall when he was assigned Keith Smart, uh, that he did not hire, <laughs> when we walked in that training camp, we're like, well, there's your new head coach. It was Keith Smart. Yep. Said the same thing about Alvin Gentry. It just took longer to get there. I legit... The minute Alvin Gentry was asked, I was like, we're going to see this all over again, and it's going to be a Keith Smart, Paul Westphal situation.
0: Okay, so, Sean, I think we know what's happened here.
1: Oh, but hold on. What I want to say is Go ahead. I want to look at the other teams outside of that 08-09 team yep. that he took over that looked not even similar to the Kings, but had a collection of younger talent. Now, that's going to be hard because young guys didn't play way back when, when he was coaching in of the course. glory days of, of the Of course. Of course. Uh, so it does will. but I want to find something where it's a skewing younger team than what he. Because again, that team he took over in in the Suns was way talented. They fired Terry Porter after the year they hired. I mean, they hired him that same year. Yeah. That's how quickly it went, and he had a winning record, which is bizarre. Yeah, I mean,
0: it's crazy because you so know. He he, did it. Yeah, even like when you look at what Luke said the night that before he got fired, he just kept saying like. You understand that, like, my shooting guard, my starting shooting guard has only been in the league for 70, well, at this point, he's a little over 80 games. It's like, that's it. That's all, like, and and Davion Mitchell, he's playing rotational minutes. He doesn't know the finer nuances. And Luke was cryptic, but he was also saying, there's nothing I can do that Buddy Heald won't like get he keeps getting top blocked. And, yeah. He won't give it up and run to the corner. He would. He didn't know how to say it. You know He's not going to throw one you know player. What that
1: sounded like to me, it was the first time I heard Luke make an excuse. Yeah. And that's probably why. Maybe that's maybe that's why.
0: I guess the hammer got
1: dropped. Last I guess.
0: Night. I, I, that that's possible. Okay. So look, we're going to get to the business of basketball because something came up in that discussion right there, and it, it reminds me of. The last time that the Kings went to Alvin Gentry and asked him to be a coach-in-waiting because we've been here before, Sean, and that's where history repeating itself with this franchise is such a huge problem. So during the summer, I think it's 2014, when Michael Malone and Pete D'Alessandro, their relationship had basically worn down to a dub like i know for a fact the last six weeks that michael malone was the head coach of the sacramento kings he had not spoken to pete d'alessandro <laughs> and he would walk by famously. pete's office and go to his own office and then sit down and then the phone would ring and he wouldn't pick it up because he was like, "Look, you're right down the hall. If you want to come talk to me, come talk to me. <laughs> I'm not going to deal with this. I'm not going to play high school games. Is I'm going to play my own high school games." It is
1: pretty petty, though.
0: It's petty. I remember we went to That's um, petty. we we, <laughs> we went to um, summer league and Team USA because oh, and to it tell was this story. and it was like, "Hey, um, yeah, we just ran into Michael Malone. He goes, "Oh, he's here." Yeah. Pete D'Alessandro said that about his head coach. Oh, he's here in Vegas. Well, he didn't know,
1: and then you fast. I walk out with Michael, and it's like, hey, was hey Pete was here? Same thing. Like yeah. The, the tenor is all the same.
0: So we had this problem that these guys would not communicate with each other at all, and that's a horrible problem. And so here's kind of let's lay down the. We'll go deep, dark, and what's happened in the past years ago. A lot of this, I I, I went through a lot of this on. The um, let's see, the Cowbell Kingdom podcast with Aaron Bruski. and we discussed this exact topic. There was a point when the Kings went to Alvin Gentry and said look, we would like to bring you in as a lead assistant and we're going to fire Michael Malone 20 games into the season and you're going to be the new head coach and we'll have it written into your contract that we instantly bump you up and you become the head coach of the Sacramento Kings. And Alvin Gentry at the time said, are you kidding me? Like, that's disrespectful. And we're in the coaching circle. What are you talking about? And Alvin Gentry called Michael Malone and ratted the Kings out and told them what happened. And this is, it's early in Vivek Rondive's ownership. It's when he's got guys like Chris Mullen and Pete D'Alessandro around. I don't know whose idea this was. <laughs> Their execution did not go over well at all. It was a massive failure, and Michael Malone heard about it. And then they tried to bring Kurt Rambis in for a job interview Ugh. and do the same exact thing with Kurt Rambis. Michael Malone found out about it.
1: Didn't even, didn't even talk to him.
0: He showed up at the interview... And said, hey, look, you know I get to hire my own staff, right? It's written in the contract. And said no. And said, I want you to hire Ty Corbin. And they said, well, I don't know about Ty Corbin. They made him. And he said, yes, you're going to hire Ty Corbin and because that's my choice. And, and they said, fine, well, he's going to run the summer league team. And he said, I've already got Chris Jentz set up to run the summer league team. And they said, too bad. If you want us to hire Ty Corbin, then that's what we do. So we go to Vegas. We're in Vegas, and the Kings say, "Hey, we're gonna do a Darren Collins, uh, uh, Collison. Uh, Collison signing. Everyone come to a hotel room, including some
1: select members of the fanship, they fan. They let
0: they let fans in. One of which was wearing an Isaiah Thomas jersey. <laughs> While they weren't re-signing Isaiah Thomas, they were signing Darren Collison instead. And he made a point of even
1: saying, hey, I completely disagree with
0: this. This is is what was happening. We were watching this unfold, and it was just like the biggest hot mess of all time, and I I don't even know what to say. Like, they, they tried to undermine Malone then. They tried to bring in a guy who is now here, and just basically did the same thing, but he worked with Walton for a year, and he had a relationship with Walton, and he was not going to – this is why you should know that Alvin Gentry was not going to do Walton wrong. Whatever happened here, Walton had had this situation right. unfold. He lost his job, and it's unfortunate because Luke's actually a really good guy, and he lost his job. But at this point, I mean, I, I can't argue with it. I think, I mean, you have a different opinion on it, but, like, when you go 6-11, and 11, you're going to lose your job if the expectations are playoffs. And if you lose 6 out of 7 or 7 out of 8 and everything is going south,
1: well, you're going to lose your job. That's the way it is, Sean. These, and we and the, know. And the skid felt different. Like, I, look, I know nine games losing skid twice in a season last year. They let go of the, the this, rope. You right, felt it. But this one felt different. And I, and, I, and I don't know, like, I was thinking about this, and I think some of the players kind of agreed with the premise but knew that they were going to be burying their coach if they said, like, that they strongly agreed. Like, it has a different feel, and maybe it's because of the, the start of the season where there's so much hope and, and you had success such, at an, or such an early, but it's like, in all those strides you made, like, I thought Monty was actually very interested. When he came out and said that even at 5-5, five and five, we thought there were more games we should have won. And he's right. I think a lot of fans probably feel that way. I agree. Yeah. I mean, but at the end of the day, like, I just, I, it just shows how, and we talk about it for the better part of these past few weeks, how quickly things can change. Yeah, but where do expectations meet reality? Right. Like, you can have a pipe dream. (laughs) You know, you can, you can, you can look in a crystal ball and, and. Sean
0: and I would love to cover a playoff team. We would <laughs> love to cover... The, that isn't the Warriors. That is a pipe dream. <laughs> that, it that is resides,
1: a... I mean, that resides in Sacramento. It's been too long for me, and I know you haven't been able to taste it.
0: I've never covered a playoff game in 12 seasons, and except for the Warriors. The Warriors, right. Yeah, so, I mean, there comes a point where, like, again, let's finish up. So, do you have anything to add to the situation with Malone and Alvin Gentry and No, the way I mean that hit I out. think
1: I think just to tie it all in is that you're talking about a guy in Alvin Gentry who is of great character and he is. and leads by example and and wants people to follow in his footsteps in terms of setting the tone the right way and doing things the right way. There's an expectation is you're a professional, you gotta do this. Um, the one thing you don't hear about all the places he's been is discord with really any player. Yep. You know, and I'm sure look that's not to say that there wasn't. I mean, I'm sure there is one. There, you know, someone's going to not see eye to eye at, at one point or another. Mm-hmm. But the way he handles his players, right? A lot of people would call him a players' coach. Sometimes that's dangerous. I think Luke was a players' coach. He was because, a players' coach for he, sure. Right. So this one now is a players' coach with a lot more expertise, and
0: and a lot more of an edge.
1: Yeah, he does like, have an edge. It, I,
0: I like him. He's he's sarcastic. He's funny. He's brutally honest. Very honest. Yeah. Very honest. He's like. going to
1: be a little bit more like look. Luke would not come out and bury guys and and really even be all that critical of of individual players rather than just the play itself. Like, oh, we got our head kicked in, or, oh, my bad doesn't cut it, or whatever, right? Much like Michael Malone, he'll say, no, you can't do that. Like, this is, you were terrible. You're this. Like His
0: opinion of DeMarcus Cousins, I think, is out there. Right. Like, enough. Like, the quote... Are you talking about Malone or Gentry? Gentry. Oh, okay. That Gentry wouldn't have taken... If if Cousins gave five million dollars to the Pelicans, he would not have taken him back with with Anthony Davis.
1: He has no room for people who are no matter how talented you are. If, if you're, you're a distraction, a, right. you're a
0: distraction, and he wants yeah. like go away.
1: He's the cut the cancer right, cut the cancer out. Yeah, all that. So, um, look, the business part of basketball. That whole story, I think it just reveals character and and. Much like Vlade would say, character matters. It does. Character doesn't always win you games, though. So, well, this is what's going to.
0: He's a sub five hundred coach, right? Throughout all of his years, and he's coached over a thousand games in and the I NBA.
1: And I think the knock on him would be, when he takes over, you do see an increase, you do see an improvement, and then when he gets the job, there it tends to kind Wayne. of go downhill. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. but. And look,
0: I, I, like, this no isn't say, ageism. Well, I mean, not, he's 67 years old. I don't know that he wants to start over. And we're not and, looking and beyond
1: this year. right? Now. We're not
0: this year. And then, you know, even if it stretches into next year, maybe that's maybe that's what Doug needs to, like, get to the next point where he's ready. And I don't know that Doug is our answer anyways. I, I think that's someone's answer. I don't know who that is. Right. It's someone's answer. But you need to know what Monty's answer is if Monty's going to be the one making the decision. And I mean, that's that's you would the, hope. the honest truth. Well, you, you would, hope. would hope. I know, I know. But that's that's the honest truth, though. Like we need to know. There's a,
1: but there's still too many. There's still a lot of voices in the room. Too many. And, and and even with this, this shows you just how many. I mean, if it they crowdsourced it, at a point it was, you know, look. Like I'm saying, I still think. Yeah. They, I, I'm still think the overwhelmingly overwhelming majority said, we want Alvin. Okay. Yep. Whoever the person was saying. We want Doug or people, if there was more than one, that's fine. But they still put it out. It still comes out as if there's a mulling over the two.
0: There was a Woj tweet about it.
1: Right. Well, I'm just saying if you take it as fact, right?
0: Well, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But we had started hearing that. I, I started and, hearing and that Monty a few did, days ago. Yeah,
1: and Monty, did not, Monty yeah. did not deny it when he was asked about it. He said, I, I, I effectively asked him, I said, what made Alvin the right choice over Doug? And he said expertise. Yeah. I mean no, he, he did. Just, he just flat out said it. So look, I
0: think like again, I, I always bash on Monty with his press, his press uh, conferences because you you need like an advanced degree in reading between the lines for a lot of his stuff. But I, I thought this this was one of his worst. Like this is the first time he's had to fire a coach, right? And so it's hard, like letting people go. Like I thought I, his first one was pretty bad. He, oh, his first the introductory press oh no 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 I, I think so too no I'm yeah. saying this is the first time he fired a coach I think this was hard for him yeah like well, I I, I, fire, I have fired a lot of people Sean like in my life before I I did this and I have a de- detachment from it like can you fire I me right I understand now? I could fire you right now um, no I
1: want to hear like what, what would you say
0: well I'll did tell you you have this. like a go to script I would no I don't have I'd be like Moneyball, <laughs> like when you no. trade a player no no No, I mean, it depends on the situation. Yeah. But my approach with firing people has always been, if you need to be fired, it's because you you do things wrong, and eventually you're going to do something wrong that costs me my job. And my job pays for a house, it pays for my wife and my children, their food. Right. And so I've always been cold and bitter about it, and like I have no problems walking into a room and firing someone. I didn't so much love having to call Doug Christie and tell him that, like, he could no longer be my podcast partner because it was a financial situation. And so that was awkward. But I should have never been the one who had to make that decision. Are you
1: saying you fired Doug Christie? Because
0: I did not fire Doug Christie. (laughs) How dare you, I told Doug Christie that we were killing the podcast and that he could no longer be on the podcast. Doug was paid for that podcast. It was part of my salary. Doug was paid for that podcast. I was not. Hey, we gotta and, let you go, man. <laughs> and so I had to call Doug and say, "Bro, we're not, we're not gonna have the podcast anymore, and w- everything that comes with that." Right. And it was like, "Oh, okay." I mean, you fired I'm, Doug Christie. That's... I'm not gonna tell you how much money that was or anything no. else, but that was awkward, and that's not something I should have ever had to do. Because that's I'm a reporter. now. I, I'm joking is about it, but do.
1: there's a human element that comes with all this, right? There and is, I, and I think look, I
0: saw that on Monty's face today.
1: Yeah, and then yeah. that's that's the part to me where it's like, look, again, you can criticize it. Fans are calling for it. Everyone, I mean, I think people have been really, you know, it's been a it's been a topic of conversation for over a year. So, it, like, it yeah. didn't surprise us. I think we like I said. The guy probably should have been fired last year. Well, I
0: expected it today, yeah. and then I didn't. After last night, I, I know just because of the way the everything went, the evening I started, went.
1: I started looking ahead, and I said, "Well, if they're going to do it, they're going to do." It. Like I honestly thought, because yeah. typically this stuff happens on the road, and I honestly thought they were going to do it either right before the road trip, where they hit Lakers on Friday. There's a day off between uh, Lakers and Memphis. They travel to Memphis on Friday night or Saturday, likely Friday night. I thought they were gonna do it then, and then you, I come, you fast forward and you come all the way back, and you're again you host the Lakers that Wednesday on, I think December first. Is that the first? I don't have a calendar in front of me. I don't know either. But yeah. that's what I thought would be the first home game with the new co- new head coach.
0: I know that I thought that new interim head coach Friday night, when they lost um, again in not good fashion, right to a mediocre team that. There was a possibility that Luke Walden would not show up and press in the in post game, and that Monty McNair would. That's what I thought was going to happen. I didn't yeah. think that they would do something so structured.
1: And the only reason I didn't think they were going to do that then was because of the home and home.
0: Yeah, like I, I want to go Don Piano on them. You remember Don Piano from <laughs> I have, Sesame Street? I, I have no idea. So what you're talking Don, about. he couldn't figure out how to play row row <laughs> row your boat on the piano, and then he would bang his head on the piano when he'd get frustrated. <laughs> um, Yeah, that's what I want to do with these guys because we just had home and home back-to-backs, which is, it's a lot. I mean, we're talking like, you know, 10, 12-hour days for me and for you. You have long days as well, back-to-backs. And then we had Sunday off, the one day to take a breath, watch some football, and then come back on Monday for three games at home in four nights, which never happens. And all of a sudden, we got two of them this season already. And then to, like... Oh yeah, it's happening. It's happening. I was walking the dogs. I'm like, oh god, it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And like I-, I thought we would and they did it right at ten o'clock as the Niners are kicking off. Like they the way they did
1: it. Think today, about it, it was you like, did it on NFL uh, Sunday. Right like you don't feel like you're gonna you know, maybe you'll fly under the cloak of the NFL and Of course. N- you know. That's, that's a pretty savvy move. It is. Yeah, it's a pretty savvy move. I didn't expect them to do it
0: today. Um, after last night, again. Saturday night was. It had a different feel. It had a different feel. There was a, a lot of humor in in post game, not with the players or the coaches, but with the media in general after the guys threw I mean, up even, all over the floor.
1: Even Luke and the players that spoke post game. I mean, for his bad it was lighter. Thing, it was lighter because it was like, oh my god, can you believe that happened?
0: Even De'Aaron Fox came out and was a totally different player. He called he it spillage. Me, he had me laughing. <laughs> I had asked right before I asked a
1: question. I'm like, dude, spillage. Spillage yeah it was it was funny can i propose before we get out of here yeah yeah because it does feel like it's a finality of you know obviously luke's tenure here
0: and we're coming back to vine and grain this is spectacular this is pretty great yeah i mean i'm not complaining yeah i don't know if you hear the music i gotta come back when i
1: am not on the clock yeah (laughs)
0: sean might not leave there's a possibility of that possibility he Um, may move couches there's maybe now there's another couch (laughs) Oh, Uh, no, no. There's another couch hiding over on the other side. Yeah. And so Sean might not leave. That's (laughs) what we're saying here.
1: Uh, Out of respect to Luke, because I think you and I both enjoy him on a personal level. Uh, Absolutely. uh, I got to know just famous – or not famous, but favorite favorite Luke memory of dealing with him over the past couple years here. My
0: favorite memory?
1: Yeah. Um, I'll share mine. I know I'm putting you on the spot. We didn't even talk about this. No, I'll even tell you that. Which in, uh, it, I always like to bring back. Like we never really talk about what, what the hell we're going to talk about. Like obviously we knew we were going to talk about the coaching situation today because it's news, but we don't ever really. And it's good because I like the spontaneity of it. I do too. Like, like I hope people like the chemistry
0: that we, Sean and I have. We've been friends for a long time now. I hate your guts. Yeah, he does. <laughs> um, no, uh, I, I, my favorite, you know. To be honest with you, it's the phone calls. Like I've had plenty of phone calls with him and he was always brutally honest on the phone. Off the record, Luke would like tell you what he thought about specific players or what they do or what they, the frustrations of, of having specific players. And I always found that to be like refreshing. And I, I think like Dave has that too. I text with Dave Yeager today And again, shout out to Dave and, you know, his battle, his battle with cancer. Yeah. Yeah. He, he hit me up and he said something um, aloof and I fired back that, uh, yeah, the, that, that was a nice field goal by Greg the leg in Minnesota (laughs) because he's the biggest Vikings fan and he actually, I won't post it. But he sent me a picture of him wearing a Viking hat.
1: Oh god, I've seen this picture. I've seen. I love it. He just it. he just sent it to me with and like I, the Goldilocks. Yeah, braids coming out of. Yeah, it. I said so uh, viral
0: tweet coming in five four three. Um, yeah, I, I think that there's, with with Luke, there was a real honesty, and like a laid back dude that you could actually hang out with. Like I, I enjoyed having conversation. He would call on occasion like, hey, I either, the wife and kids are out of town, so either I'm on my way home and I'm driving, so either I'm gonna call you or I'm gonna listen to music on the way, so I just figured I'd call. And we would have good conversations about different things. And that's, like, people understand, they have to understand that our jobs are to break down that barrier, so we get as much information that's real about why why someone chooses to do something over something else. Yeah. Because they can say what they want in front of the camera. But if you read between the lines with us, we'll give you a lot more of the context. The the, the context and the reasoning behind it. Uh, like I re- Paul Westfall and I used to go to lunch. And Paul was just such a tremendous man. But like we went to lunch one time at Cheesecake Factory and we had lunch and we sat there for three hours afterwards, and he told me some of the most amazing stories that you will ever hear. I mean, he literally had a guy on his bench in Phoenix who had a his cousin fly from Arkansas to Seattle, uh, oh no, no, to Phoenix, and murder his girlfriend, right. his pregnant girlfriend. And That's there insane. was nothing he could do about a guy on his bench who had killed somebody had had somebody kill a pregnant girlfriend. And so there's stories that, and there's also an incredible story about um, getting the, at, he was at Grand Canyon University and getting the arena built there. And then he had this moment where they took a kid onto his, his team who, uh, the only reason they let him on the basketball team, he was like the seventh guy. They All they had was seven players. But he had a station wagon, <laughs> and they didn't have a team bus, so they they talked him into playing Shagging on the team, wagon. and then they win a championship with him hitting game-winning free throws in the final seconds, and this amazing moment. And then he was a missionary, and got sick and died in uh, on a mission in I think Africa years later. Mm. And so like the arena is dedicated to him at Grand Canyon. So like I've had. Like, our journey is amazing. Like, the things that we get to talk to players about, I mean.
1: I mean, it's the job, man. You talking to, to yeah. Luke,
0: Luke Walton, Luke Walton played with Kobe for, like, right. 10 years. And how about that? Like, and Shaq. It, it's,
1: like, I was going to go there because it was one of my favorites. It's not my yeah, favorite, go. but it's like, think about that. Like, when when Kobe passes and Luke has to be out front and center to talk about the loss of this of, of his teammate and his friend, you know. Here with us and he's here with in the Sacramento. media. And he it's had hard. to do it several times. Hard. So just really you know, and oh just just awful. You know, just awful.
0: And Yeah, think of that. I just put that in context, people. Like I don't think you're under like take a moment to to listen to what Sean just said. His friend of like at that point fifteen years died in a tragic helicopter accident. The day of us, it's our job. We have to put a microphone in his face and right. say, "Tell us about Kobe." Right. Just and then, and then to, you have to, to go that through. point,
1: I remember because I was Lena, Lena Washington, my former coworker. Yeah. We were we were literally on a flight. We were by, we were boarding a flight right as it happened, and Ted to, to Miami for the Super Bowl for 49ers coverage. So then, <laughs> I had to follow up with Luke even a week or two after the fact. Because of the fact that they're going to go to the memorial. Yeah. And have him retell all these stories that he just did with a little bit of a more clear picture, clearer head. But if you remember, they were on the road when it happened. I think it was in Minnesota when he first talked about it.
0: They were in Minnesota. I yeah. called Doug. I'm like, Are you watching this? He goes, Oh my gosh. He's crazy. like, This is crazy. We're on, he said, We're on the team bus heading to the arena. He was with, because he was doing television. Right. He said, I'm on the team bus with the players, and, like, people are – they're freaking out. I mean, we got tears in, in the bus. Yeah. Like, I mean, Buddy Hilde is one of the biggest Kobe Bryant fans yeah. of all time. Like, he signed with Rob Palenka as his agent because yep. that's Kobe's guy. Yeah. I mean, he wanted to be Kobe, and, and a lot of times he thinks he still is Kobe. But, like, he wants to harness that. But, like, I talked to Doug that day, and the, the thing that stands out from that conversation was he goes – well, at least we're, the reports are that, like, no one else was with him. His girls weren't with him. And then we found out minutes later that his daughter was with him. And it was just gut-wrenching. It and, was. and to have, like, again, Luke, like, you have to understand they are people. Like, you can hate Luke Walton's coaching. But you have to respect like who he is as a person and everything else, or you don't. Like you don't have to, I guess.
1: <laughs> or you can be a heartless bastard. It's fine. Yeah, yeah,
0: or you can just like say no, no, that's not part of this. But for Sean and I, who are de- who deal with them on a human level, it's part of it, right?
1: Right. And then you know, my favorite moment is a very much a lighter moment here, but it's his introductory press conference. That's good. And if you remember, like, I I pat myself on the back here, I got to break the story that he was that he was that had Kings new coach, right? Yep. And so then he gets the introductory press conference. I had just talked to Steve Kerr about him just down the road, which is his best friend. And we have the introductory press conference. And we break off into our one-on-ones, right? And so we're talking to him, Lena and I are talking to him and at the be, you know, at the encouragement of others from the org- Warriors organization plus my own just damn curiosity. I said, "Hey, look, what do you say to people who think that the job you did with the warriors when you took over for steve and you led them to this great record that literally yep. they could anybody could have done that with the talent that they had and luke has this way of like when he answers, when he when he's answering a question or talking to you sometimes when he's done he'll kind of give you this look as to make sure that either you understood it or that maybe he has something else to stay, say but he can shoot you this look and so i said look what do you say to those who say this and it was those it was that moment where it's like a, a reporter question where someone might go, well, people will say, people might say, people will say this when it, when he might think that I'm saying this. Yeah. And so I, that's why I don't like to ask those questions. But legit, like, how many times do you hear, oh, I could I could coach the Bulls to 50, 50 games with Jordan Pippen and Rodman, right? Or just whatever. And he just, he gave this look, which was basically in the entire time by saying, F you, and here's why you're wrong, and go off and do this, right? Great moment. I told him my inspiration for asking that question afterwards, and you're right, like, James, the candor that he gives you is fantastic, and we're coming off of Dave, who can speak very cryptically, he can be very careful with words, he doesn't necessarily come out and kill players, Yep. and you go to, you go to Luke, and you ask him a question, and he answers your question. Yeah. He's going to address your question. He doesn't necessarily skirt the issue. And when he does, it's super obvious, and you have to follow up to get what you need. Yeah, He's, He doesn't play that game well, and it's encouraging, it's refreshing. And I think it comes off as very, it comes authentic. off actually be- better authentic. Yeah, it, does. it comes off much better than anyone trying to skirt the issue. So long-winded way of saying I'm gonna miss his candor. Uh, as a person, I enjoyed that about him. He was a pleasure to work with in that regard. Um, but you know what? This is a results-oriented business. I completely understand it. And like I said, I do too. I would have fired him last year. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And like I, the things, like the little things about him, he's he's strangely like comfortable.
1: Too like, comfortable. Yeah. Very lucid.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like. I. I, I dig him. And, and and not only that, but you have to remember that like this is the son of Bill Walton.
1: Right. Like, Which is probably where the lucidness like, comes like from. Like,
0: Jerry Garcia was like Uncle Jerry. Yeah. Like, his life has been
1: very unique. He's going to be just fine. Right. He's it's amazing. I was in New York for a Kings-Knicks game, my first time at the Garden for a basketball game, and Bill's there with, uh, and the guy's, the name's going to, uh, I think it was Phil Lesh, right, from the from the Grateful Dead. Okay. I think that's his name. If I'm wrong, email me. <laughs> uh, but he. You know, he's there with his dad and they're in his press conference. And we saw him recently where, you know, the parents were here yep. uh, Bill and, the, and his wife. And so he sees his parents and his family in the, in the press room. Uh, but yeah, he's just right after, he's, here he is hanging out with the Grateful Dead and Bill and his father. And it's just like old times. And it's like, you look at him and you go, all right, Bill, you're a cartoon character. Yes. Here's a Grateful Dead guy. And, and even Luke, it's like, you wouldn't think that this just works, but it does because Luke is a little bit different from yeah. what his father is. He's not the eccentric Oh no, more, he's much more, more of an introvert. Yeah. 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 And yeah, and yeah. here he's talking to the member of the Grateful Dead as if it's like his uncle. Like, oh, yeah, it's his family. Yeah. It's great.
0: All right. Yeah, so, uh, like, look, I, I we've we've dragged this out. It, we had an emergency emergency podcast here at uh, Vine and Grain. You guys need to try this place. Like, they're not giving us anything for free. No. Like, I don't think. I mean, maybe, but I I doubt it. Um, They certainly didn't. We didn't negotiate beforehand, (laughs) which is probably my bad. Um, It's
1: authentic. This place is cool.
0: Yeah, the wine is good. The chartreuse board was incredible. And uh, the conversation, Sean, like, this is what I dig about what we're doing. We're two guys who have a tremendous amount of knowledge about this Particular subject, and we want to like open doors and like let you listen to us uh, in in a different way, and let you hear some of the the interesting stories and in the lives that we've lived here uh, while we've covered this team to uh, so many losing seasons. <laughs> um, okay, so let's cover a couple a little bit of ground here. Um, number one, the Kings beat Happy Hour is on its way. I haven't figured out which day we're going to do it because. I'm worried about holiday stuff um, but it's probably in the next 7 to 10 days if you have not uh, become a paid subscriber to the King's Beat you probably should because we're about to lock a bunch of stuff up and on top of that um, I'm gonna say let's see, it's it's Sunday I'll give you until Tuesday if you become a subscriber in the next two days uh, I will add you to the list for the first happy hour and you'll get to hang out And we're going to do it so uh, maybe Sean can come on and hang out. And maybe on top of that, we get somebody else, maybe one or two others. Uh, I also want to thank the legendary trainer of the Sacramento Kings, Pete Youngman, who not only decided to become a subscriber, but to buy two additional paid subscriptions. Wow! And he would like me to... Figure out a way to donate those to the people out there that maybe need something, maybe need a a little. They want to be a a subscriber of the King's Beat, but they just can't afford it. So why don't we do this Pete's over the, the next best. couple of days? Pete is amazing. Season Pete of giving. Amazing. Good for him. It is. Uh, we're gonna do this until Tuesday, right? So over the next couple of days, people who listen. All the way to the hour-long mark of the Kings Beat podcast. Um, why don't you give me—I don't—give me a story about a moment that you had with at a Kings game, or a moment that you had that was special. Tweet it to me uh, about the Sacramento Kings.
1: Can I? Can I? Um, yeah, let's maybe, hear maybe sprinkle a caveat there. Yeah. How about your most random encounter with a Kings player?
0: Yes, because we've talked about. I had I yeah. sang karaoke with the old and <laughs> Yeah, it's,
1: no be- it's not really beating that. That's a great one.
0: Yeah, but I would like to hear. That that sounds good. May, and if you haven't had a random encounter, still give me a reason why you need a king's uh, access to the king's beat. And and so we're gonna we'll leave it open. Maybe how about we do this? We'll leave it open till Wednesday. Hit me with your stories, and it's a way that we'll be able to sort of communicate through Twitter and you'll get to maybe I'll, I'll read a couple of the stories when we do our podcast later in the week um but look we're gonna do this uh the the emergency podcast we had to do it um this is uh another monumental day in king's history where the franchises changes gears and I'm glad that we're able to do it this way. We're able to sit at a swanky, uh, swanky. wine and grain bar and and chillax on a couch and have a charcuterie char- <laughs> board.
1: I think you have used your allotment of swanky for the year. I but have. You definitely used your allotment of chillax. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I like it. Yeah,
0: and, and you know, just uh, this is this is how we're going to do this, right, Sean?
1: Yeah. It's yeah. good. All right. Do you have any it. final thoughts? Um, the Sixers are in town on Monday. What we saw, we saw a few of them in the tunnel. We did. Danny <laughs> Green's like,
0: "Hey, why are all of you here?" He's like, <laughs> "Like, uh, coach just got fired." Oh, forgot about that. <laughs> why do you have media today on Sunday? Right, he's like, "Why?" Well, there's no one here. And coach got fired.
1: Just media here? Nah, coach got fired. Yeah, no, coach got uh, fired. That could be an interesting. Um, going to be a lot of storylines tomorrow uh, on Monday, and yeah, this whole week I think is going to be intriguing, right? Yeah, Portland on Wednesday. Yep. It's not getting any easier, although they're not playing well. so Should be interesting. Yeah. interesting. this will be another fun week in the kingdom, right?
0: Well, it's it's never a dull moment. This no. is the most interesting bad team in professional sports. That's why you love them. Right. <laughs> All right, so thanks for tuning in to the Kings Beat Podcast. For Sean Cunningham, I am James Ham. Make sure to subscribe. If you can do it, do a paid subscription. We're building something here. It's going to be really cool, and we want you on board along this ride. So we'll see you a couple of times this week. Should be a very interesting transition to the Alvin Gentry era. So we'll see you a little bit later this week.